Greetings, Star Wars fans. It's Corey here, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Justin, straight from the land of lobster and hockey, Nova Scotia. Today, we're diving into the pages of Yoda Dark Rendezvous and discussing the Jedi Master's secret mission that will change the course of the Clone Wars. So grab your lightsabers and join us as we journey through the Star Wars universe. Just try not to get too distracted by Justin's accent. Did we get sponsored or something? Since when did we have time to write introductions? Uh, I asked ChatGPT to write an intro for me tonight. Uh, Not sure how I feel about it. I told it it was about Yoda Dark Rendezvous, uh, that it should include a joke about you being from Nova Scotia. Uh, Did not mention that the podcast was called Tap Calf Transmission, so that's uh, I blame that on the chatbot. Aside from the, I think kind of, kind of, is that racist? Kind of racist joke against Nova Scotia accents, which is not very different from my own. Uh, how are you doing, Justin? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think Nova Scotians, I, actually, I will say when I moved to Toronto, I got, uh, they said I had an accent. Yeah, but Toronto, know. Toronto sucks. So, yeah, there were a few things like, like bagel, I guess they said I said funny. Yeah, um, I get that too. But maybe I'm just an East Coaster at heart. Yeah, I I, I think like um, you know Toronto has its own accent, and it's basically like uh, half Jamaican, half like I don't know. You probably you probably know it if you've listened to a Drake song. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. But um, you, you don't not know the accent I'm talking about. It's like I, I don't know the description you're talking about. I. Toronto, it's it's like because Toronto, it has something to do with Toronto having such uh, a high Jamaican uh, population. Like that's not, I'm not, I'm not making that up. It's true. I just googled it. Okay, it's on Carlton.ca. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Carlton.ca, like the university. Yeah. Uh, so Jamaican is it Patois? Patois? Patois. Yeah. Um, is yeah, it's got a big influence on. Uh, on Toronto accents. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But other than that, other than that, uh, Ooh, there's even a Wikipedia page actually. All right. We're getting distracted. Usually that takes at least half an hour. How are you doing before we get into our book? Damn it. Good. Um, no huge complaints for me. Uh, excited for Mando season three. Uh, we got a nice, uh, a pretty short trailer. Actually, I'd say only about like 30 seconds of new content. Yeah. Um, yeah, what about what about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I I like the trailer. There's some stuff that I think we could talk about, but I don't know if we want to get into Mando trailer discussion so early in the podcast because some people would consider that spoilers. Maybe at the end we'll do a minute or two on it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, hmm. Other than that, Bad Batch we aren't going to talk about today. That'd be presumably next week's episode. If next week's episode happened, when when are you here? When are you not here? Is there a next episode next uh, week? Yeah, the, next week I'm good. I think I'm here until... I think I've got... I think I don't leave for another three weeks. Okay. Because I I, leave, I get back on the 13th, I believe, and I'm gone... Or I get back on the 14th, like very early in the morning, and I think I'm gone five days, so I should have two more episodes, but we'll see. Probably no more books, though, because I'll be preparing for stuff while I'm away. Yeah. So we'll have some uh, some TV episodes to talk about. Uh, but today is our first book of the year. We have Yoda Dark mm. Rendezvous. Uh, mm. There was also, I don't know if we want to talk about this now, some Halo news. Because we do yeah, cover sure. Halo sometimes on the on the podcast. Yeah. Um, why don't you give it, why don't you 
laid out? I don't know too many details of it, so you, you're probably best to okay. lay it out. And then I have a hot take that you're not going to like, so. Okay, well, let's not assume that I'm not going to like you're it. You're not going to like it. Okay. Also, no one's commented on my Christmas tree yet. I've, uh, I've insulted it many times. That's not not true. this Not this year, though. Yeah, when you weren't at uh, the stream last week, I was like, this guy still has his Christmas tree up. Look at him. But it makes me happy. Okay, I'm glad it makes you happy then. I will never insult it again. I was calling you okay. lazy, but... I, okay, so here's the thing. I have put all of my other Christmas decorations away. I put them away. Um, so it's... Uh, what is it? It's uh, January... 19th. I, I can't remember what... No, I can't, I can't remember what day it is, but there's like old Christmas... Um, which is I think January. It's like the fifth or the sixth. Anyway, my my grandmother comes from Newfoundland, and I I think it's called Old Christmas is like really heavily celebrated there. Um, so it's it's, it's January sixth, little Christmas, old Christmas. Um, and her funeral was that day, so we left everything up, and then after little Christmas, I took everything down, all the lights outside, but the tree. All I've got to do, like, I, I'm not going to undecorate it. I'm just going to put it in the closet. There's yeah. space for it. So it's literally 30 seconds. I just, it makes me happy. Uh, right. So I don't, I don't feel like putting it away. But, um, but yeah, okay. So with the Halo stuff, um, we heard from Jason Schreier. So first of all, it's not just 343 getting hit by, uh, getting hit by layoffs, but that's, that's what's happened. Microsoft has laid off 10,000 employees. Uh, a good number of them from uh, the gaming division. And apparently, according to Jason Schreier, uh, 343 Industries was hit particularly hard. Um, and on Twitter, we've been seeing lots of kind of people, you know, say like people giving their experiences. Uh, some people kind of unhappy with what happened, obviously, uh, whether they were let go or lots of people who worked for 343 uh, kind of just talking about how how poorly managed things were like one of the guys i forget his name works on jedi survivor now he kind of had a, some pretty blistering statements that you don't usually see kind of in the games industry which is mm -hmm. from the outside looking in seems to be pretty small and pretty uh tight so don't don't take that out of context but um but yeah so one of the big things is also that joseph staten who was kind of brought on to write the ship uh, he's gone back to Xbox, which I actually didn't think was the worst thing in the world. Because yeah, wasn't that always a temporary situation? Yeah, so he was brought on to kind of get the game back on track. And the, I guess, concerning thing for me is, and I actually don't care that much about this. I, I don't think it's very likely we get any new campaign uh, stuff. But, but yeah, that's kind of the basic basic explanation of what happened right so my thing is i obviously the management of 343 was a complete mess but mm -hmm. i i'm just not sure if halo can escape that like mid-2000s feel like i don't know if it it'll appeal to young people as much as halo 2 or 3 did back in the day uh, mm -hmm. so like maybe you recapture some of the nostalgia market. There's always going to be like some amount of new people doing it, but I like, I see a lot of, uh, talk about how it needs to reclaim what it was. And I just don't think that's possible for a game that is so, or a franchise that is so strongly locked to the like space Marine aesthetic that was 
really big for a few years, but then I don't think it appeals to people as much anymore. Whereas other franchises that may have that as part of it, like you have a bit of that in Star Wars, there's a lot of that in Warhammer 40k, but there's like other stuff that when things go in or out of vogue, uh, keeps those franchise appealing to people. And if Halo is so locked on Master Chief, like it, it, it doesn't have the same flexibility as some other major franchises do. I, I actually don't disagree with that. Um, I would, I guess my counter would be, I don't think the campaign really matters very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like certainly not for Halo Infinite. Um, I, I mean, I, I've got no, I imagine that the big draw for the game was the, you know, the return to the kind of classic mm-hmm. arena shooting style. And, you know, the bit, it, it's kind of a shame because I, like I, I've always said, I think Halo Infinite's a, a, a good game. Yeah. But the problem is it, you know, a lot of people played it. It had like twenty five or two hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand people pick it up on on day one on Steam, and you always see a big drop off with any game, especially a free to play game. But I mean, it's pretty clear that there just wasn't enough content yeah. to to keep that going. So I, I actually agree. I, I don't I don't take any uh, offense to what you're saying, and I've also said too, Halo will never be the juggernaut that it was in two thousand seven when Halo three came out because it's just there's too many yeah. games. Just like Call of Duty has done a better job of maintaining, you know, its kind of top level uh, success. But it's, it, you know, in 2007, it was like, you've got Halo, you've got Call of Duty. Like, those are the shooters, you know, yeah. and with some exceptions. And there are others, uh, but certainly now, like, you can't do that again. Well, I think even um, Call of Duty has a bit more flexibility than Halo does, despite being like real world grounded stuff, because you can shoot yeah. either Nazis or zombies, and sometimes they can combine those. Someone's always mm-hmm. going to want to shoot a Nazi or a zombie. Or Russians, or uh, people from uh, either Russian or Middle Eastern sounding countries, or yeah. Soviet or Middle Eastern sounding countries. But uh, but yeah, it's just, it sucks. Uh, I, I, and I tweeted today, like, personally, I think that like, run halo infinite as a live service but i i would be in favor of a a reset like and people hold halo up as a bit of a sacred cow and i get that um but like it would not be the first video game franchise to go through a reset especially one that's been around for so long like the tomb raider games you know they were successful for two or three entries they really started to teeter off they lost relevance they did a complete uh wipe with the new Tomb Raider series, and it's very successful. God of War arguably did something similar. Now, those aren't the same comparison because Halo's got this big multimedia thing. There's books and comics and tie-ins and stuff, but... TV show. Don't forget the TV show that they made. TV show. The, the Halo TV show. <laughs> remember the, the Halo TV show we all watched? I do remember that. Three episodes of? Um. So, yeah, I, I just... I think it's time... I just think... You know, I I think there's very little faith in like, I, like I don't think the public cares about another three four three Halo sequel. I could be wrong about that, but just kind of my feeling is that they need to do something pretty drastic if they want to get people back on board. All right. Well, we'll see if anything happens with that. Uh, but you know who also tried to get back on board was uh, Yoda tried to get Count Dooku back on board in today's book. Uh, any any initial thoughts about Yoda Dark Rendezvous? What are your overall impressions? Um, I don't know. Like I, I had, I don't know if I ever read this book before, uh, but I'd always heard it put in very, very high regard. 
I think Pablo Hidalgo said it was his favorite Star Wars book. I've heard that from a lot of people. There were elements I really liked. I liked Yoda, um, but there were other elements that I wasn't a fan of. I don't like the fact that Anakin and Obi-Wan were included. It was completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Elements of the writing put me off. I felt like there were parts that were just way too rushed. Uh, The book felt very short as well. Um, Did you notice that? I I didn't feel that way about it. No? Because I always read on um, my totally legal versions of the book on ebook and i can always tell how long it is by when uh when the you know the stuff at the end kicks in it's Uh, 330 pages like it's pretty standard length okay it's not Um, like it's a particularly small font either but you know what i mean how like when you're reading the ebooks it'll be like okay yeah you're at fucking 67 percent it was 60 for this one for me at least i think that's pretty normal for a lot of the, Mm -hmm. the ones we've read you might be just thrown off because the last one we did would have been Star, star by, by star, star. and that yeah. one i think is like 84 percent before you i just remember all the rogue squadron books came in at about 69 70 percent but mm-hmm. yeah i think it's pretty close in length there like i i generally agree with you the main thing that stood out to me was actually the dialogue i liked a lot of the characters i do mm-hmm. think the obi-wan and anakin inclusion was unnecessary and didn't really add much uh it was everything clone wars multimedia in the yeah. era though yeah. the characters didn't feel like distinct characters a lot of the time like they had that thing where uh i like the themes of the novel i like the general use of the characters but like making each character actually feel like their own different person kind of didn't happen in this uh i thought ventress was bad for that yeah and like every character talked in the most pretentious obnoxious way which took a while to get past like a hundred and some odd pages in i was finally past that but especially mm-hmm. for the first like quarter of the book, there's like every annoying dialogue trope of like someone's having their internal monologue, and then mm-hmm. like Padme just blurts out "hope" on her fucking balcony. Yeah, and I, I put that like, in my notes. What the hell yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> what the fuck are you going on about? Uh, no, I t- I totally agree. Um, that was Padme was a weird inclusion too, where she like popped in for like three different seats. I didn't mind that as much because it was kind of like a nice perspective on. So for those who don't know, the the plot of the book is actually very simple. Um, Yoda gets an invitation for a dark rendezvous from his former apprentice, some forget former apprentice, Count Dooku. Uh, And as that is happening, we are also, we've got the story of kind of several Jedi who go along with him. For reasons I don't quite understand, um, but we've got, his his name's Wee, right? Wee. We, uh, we because that's the sound he made as he was spinning at the clone troopers on the landing pad <laughs> in episode yeah. three. So, for those who didn't know, we Mauru in this book is the kid who's like running to bail at the in order 66. Is that correct? Just, I'm pretty sure that's we. I don't, I don't think that's the same kid. I'm 99% sure that is we. Isn't that because that's not that George Lucas's son? No fucking clue. Yeah, that's that's Zet. That's oh, I, okay, I'm yeah. wrong. We okay. is, is... So one of the things that is that we has a vision of being killed by a, a, a Jedi's lightsaber. Uh, at the end, he thinks he's off scot-free because there's a situation where it looks like he's about to be slashed, but it's just, you know, Anakin rescuing him or whatever. Or not rescuing him, but greeting him. Um, but no, we is in the... He's in the Jedi Temple and he gets killed. So, get fucked. Huh. Yeah. Scout... Uh... Maybe she gets shipped off to the Agricultural Corps after all. Uh, but she does have a picture in the Essential Reader's Companion, which is what I've used for the thumbnail. 
because mm-hmm. there's no other time that Scout will come up in this. Yeah, so Scout is she's we've seen this trope before where she's like a hardworking but not super gifted Jedi. Um, kind of like uh, what's her name in Luke's Jedi Academy? Um, fucking uh, musician. Uh, Tion. Um, Tion, yeah. Uh, but so the whole thing is like back then, if you're not really, if you've got some Jedi talent, but you know, it doesn't grow as you age, they kind of figure, okay, we can still find other jobs for you. So one thing is like you get shipped off to the agricultural corps, and that's kind of what she's worried yeah. about anyway like rather uh, than so, send you back to your family they kidnap you as a child and then send you to work like literally send you to live on the farm yeah yeah with like all the all the, everyone's dead everyone's dead dog very epic yeah um so yeah we, we've got uh we've got we and scout their two masters who spoiler alert both end up dying uh and they're on this trip with yoda as this is happening they're being hunt hunted down by asage uh it's just there's a lot of weird bits in this book like i didn't really think the whole public trans uh, transport made a lot of sense um but like what did you what did you think about like kind of the general kind of setup there where the 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 yoda wants to get away in private partially because that's what the message requests so they make a fake yoda send him off into space of course ventress almost kills him captures him uh, all, and while this is happening, um, the group, they're trying to make their way to Vajun, almost like uh, Padme and Anakin do in episode two, where they're like taking public transport and stuff. And they end up being betrayed by... This was the most convoluted part of the book, I thought, these pair of droids. Um, because we, uh, we was like a prince of this planet, the June that they're going to it's it, it, did you find that as convoluted and silly as I did yeah like the transit method didn't make sense we being watched on Coruscant for like 10 years by these two droids is like okay I guess and like if they're and stepping in really turns on him <laughs> yeah which yeah. I mean Solus wasn't connected to we in the same way I think he was just hired by Fidelis but then you they're also the same model right yeah yeah but then, like, if his whole thing is like, oh, you don't betray these business contracts, Ventress, I'm going to mess you up, then he shouldn't be betraying Fidelis. Uh, yes. That's but true. But the, yeah, like, it, Fidelis very strongly reacts anytime that we is in danger in this book, stops him from doing anything. But, like, this this may be Wee's first actual mission, but you'd think there'd be, like, some other danger over the years that... Fidelis has watched him in and mm-hmm. why is he coming out now compared to before especially if we is like already on his way to Vajun like yeah. there there's a lot that worked out well for them there uh, but yeah the I get trying to do a misdirect so Yoda can go somewhere without it being weird that he's not doing the daily briefings that made sense but then needing to do the uh, the public transit on the least safe yeah, like surely the Jedi in the Republic military has a secret way of moving people across the galaxy. I don't know. Yeah, like Yoda could. Uh, they've got to have like an extra fighter Yoda could take, and that would be fine. Yeah. And, He's got that little one. Yeah, and like if you're if you're going, there's no net. There, I don't know what the purpose of 
bringing Max Leem, Jai Merrick, and their Padawans on this mm. mission could be. Like, it's going to be between Yoda and Dooku that stuff has to work out. It's yeah. probably the most dangerous place they could go. The Padawans are not going to be particularly helpful in that situation, especially Scout, nope. who was just assigned to Jai Merrick. And it 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 doesn't... It, it seemed like they made this harder on themselves than it needed to be, which... I guess just for the story to work is what you need to mm-hmm. do. So I'm not too mad at it, but it, it it did seem like some questionable decision making was happening. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, the book was kind of in a weird structure. It was kind of structured weirdly as well, where I felt like they needed to spread out the, or the author needed to spread out kind of, the the word the the time spent on like he spends i'd say 10 percent of the book on this little maybe more maybe 15 percent of the book on this little mini fighting tournament they have um at the school and all that really uh, sorry at the jedi academy and that does give us a lot of you know insight into the character of scout in particular uh because she she ends up coming first in this tournament it's like a it's like a, a dueling slash just a fighting tournament really she ends up coming first and that's why she's picked to go on the mission despite her kind of shortfalls um but it's just like i felt like that was kind of a waste of words and i would have much preferred to see the development of the especially the relationship between jai merrick and uh and scout I thought was really lacking, especially where he's meant to be her new um, master. I would have liked to see more of that. I would have liked to see more of even scout and we, I think would have been useful. So I can agree on uh, not getting enough between scout and Jai. Cause like they go from Jai does not want to be your master. I don't think we even see like a scene between just the two of them ever again or ever, but I disagree with the tournament being a waste because like fundamentally the book is about how the Jedi work, how people become Mm -hmm. the Jedi, what it means to be a Jedi and how the Jedi treat their own members and what those relationships are like. And I think scout like seeing what scouts experience at the temple is, is pretty important both with how Mm -hmm. she's going to relate to we in the future and almost as like the inverse of what, Dooku's experience would have been at the temple where like Dooku was kind of above it all. Scout feels below it all. And many of the Jedi, except for Yoda were so willing to throw scout away. And Yoda was kind of good at figuring out what scout needed as well as figuring out what Dooku needed. And I think if you didn't have the extra bits with scout there, where we get to see Yoda working with another student who in the minds of a lot of the other Jedi didn't really deserve his attention. Then the stuff with Dooku and the relationship between the two of them, which is ultimately like where the book, the that's the climax of the book. It wouldn't mm-hmm. work as well. So I think that stuff was necessary. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I just, I think it, there needs to be that and more of the character development because sure. It, it it just seems weird to me, like, in, in a perfect book, I think that does exist. Maybe not quite as much of the detail about some of the... Like, you know what? Even the fighting is pretty cool. Well, when I was um, watching episode three, I was always thinking, like, oh, we've got Yoda, we got Obi-Wan, we got Anakin, we got Mace. Where's old Iron Hands? We know that Iron Hands is, like, 
big in this circle with the four of them. Who knows? But um, but yeah. So I I, I agree. the The insight into how the Jedi work and like there's a lot of positives from Yoda, but also you know each one of the Jedi in this novel have some real hangups in some way. Mm-hmm. What did you think about? Yoda ultimately like the way Yoda's philosophy ends up being portrayed um you know I, I think it's it's I think it's pretty in keeping with how he is generally in the prequels where you know from a philosophical or you know like a moral standpoint a lot of what he's saying you know you can kind of relate with especially when it comes to you know, how he sees the Jedi as kind of beacons and stuff like that. But he's still ultimately failing to come to terms with like a lot of the things the Jedi did, like taking students from their, like, this is kind of what Asajj talks about how like tough it is that the Jedi just take uh, children from their parents. And sometimes the parents are really sad because they're losing their kid and they never get to see them again. Sometimes they're really excited because that's one less mouth to feed. And you know, that's kind of fucked up at the end of the day. Um, and I, I do like kind of the, the more reasonable approach to like being a Jedi. We get in this book, especially a young Jedi reminds me kind of of the high Republic Yeah, I was thinking that where too. it's like, yeah, Jedi are probably going to bang each other. Occasionally. They're probably going to like, you know, mess up and get attachments. But like, can you recover from that? I guess. I think the attachment stuff is where this Yoda varies the most from what we see in the movies. Like the he's not doing the whole mourn them do not, miss them do not. He's saying like, oh, I miss everyone. You should love everyone. And we're sad that they're gone. And I'm Mm -hmm. always sad that all my friends are gone. And you'd think like if anything was going to push him more in that direction, it's understanding how uh how things went down with anakin and how they might have been able to do that better but even after that he's telling luke like your friend's gonna die you gotta just accept that sometimes and uh, i don't know i don't i think that part doesn't fit particularly well with uh how he's portrayed here yeah um and this is obviously from this is the book was released in 2004 so i guess they're still working that out because I guess the defining scene of how Yoda sees that is, you know, episode three where he has that talk with, with, uh, Anakin. Yeah. So, and you know, uh, there are some other inconsistencies I'd say, especially about how Anakin and Padme's relationship was being handled. Yeah. Uh, where Anakin is even more open about it in this and, you know, Obi-Wan is like actively covering for him. Yeah. Which is like, I, I don't know. It's fine, I guess, but it's also kind of, the weakness of including them in this book where they're really not needed. Yeah. Like it basically just sets up Anakin to be the reason that Dooku ultimately doesn't turn back with Yoda. I was going to ask you about that. Do you think without Anakin storming in there, um, there's a chance that Dooku's convinced. Like the book is very much saying that's the case. It kind of reminded but, me a bit of uh, of the end of episode three in a way, where Obi Wan's standing on the ramp with his fucking dick out, and he doesn't 
he doesn't mention, hey, I, you know, she didn't, I, she didn't betray you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, He's definitely like, conflicted. I, I thought that was. I thought the Dooku was the most interesting character. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of the vulnerable side of him that we never really see anywhere else, and like what his insecurities in might be. Visions. Yeah. 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 Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. You mean? Or yeah, Tales of the Jedi. Um, that was one thing I liked as well. Kind of, it's the benefit of having Yoda be so old. I, I liked how the flashback to Dooku's youth, both like literal flashbacks at the, at the at the beginning and then also kind of in Dooku's mind as he's fighting uh you know there's that moment where you know Yoda touches his arm and he's kind of brought back to when he was being trained i thought that was all handled nicely yeah like, i i just don't see a world where Dooku would leave the CIS like that other than he's feeling insecure about his position with Sidious he knows he's Kind of like he, I think he started the what they're trying to set up here is that he knows he's kind of screwed. There's no end game yeah. for him, but at the same time, just I, I just don't see that being a move he makes if he values the things he says he values. Like, yeah, you don't. It's one of the things that I don't like about Star Wars. It's not like one moment where you choose to no longer be a bad guy or no longer be a good guy. So it's. Unless this is a, a conflict that he's been having internally for a long time of wanting to go back to the Jedi, mm-hmm. I don't think simply having Yoda show up and say, hey, I always said I'd catch you when you fall. I don't yeah. think that's going to do it. And I just don't know that we see enough of him elsewhere to see that that's a possibility for him. Yeah, it's also somewhat undercut by what we get in episode two. Where Yoda, or sorry, where uh, Dooku kind of pulls the same shit with Obi Wan, where he's like, "My friend, it's been a terrible misunderstanding. Like, let's talk about it." And the whole time, you know, like he's he's not he doesn't want to talk about yeah. it. He, he he's made his mind up. Um, so, and I mean, it it's also from the beginning transparent that he's it's it's a plot. Um, yeah. But you know, maybe he comes because I didn't feel like it was quite as obvious as you stated, but I felt like you know it was kind of iffy. Um, but overall, like there was a lot, like, I, I really liked that aspect of the book. Like I said, for me, the weakness was the stuff like, oh, why does, um, why does we have to be, you know, from the June and his mom's still there? Like that to me felt really unnecessary. The droid stuff. I would have preferred to focus on, you know, just let the Jedi be the Jedi. Uh, let these be two new characters who are along for the ride and they can still learn about themselves. Like, I just don't think we being, you know, related and having his mom there really adds anything other than, you know, her death at the end. We don't even see the meeting between her and him either. That happens off screen. Yeah. And same with the droids. So like, I think if you clean that up, it's a much better book and focus more on kind of the cerebral or the, you know, emotional aspects of it. And yeah, better book there. Yeah, like one of the other things with Dooku of having him reconsider his attachment to the dark side is that like the whole time we're on Bajun, we're just getting told repeatedly how steeped it is in the dark side. The Mm -hmm. point that like Anakin shows up and he's feeling like a million bucks and that doesn't set off any alarm bells with (laughs) Obi-Wan. Yeah, he's like literally doing front flips and shit. Yeah, like we goes basically insane as soon as he steps on the planet and Yoda even kind of 
shows Dooku like how he's able to resist things and does a sidious mm-hmm. impression. But like mm-hmm. the the idea that Dooku would be able to reconsider there considering everything else the the book is showing and maybe that's the message it's trying to send but i don't know it just yeah it doesn't seem it, it he, he's just kind of pathetic in the book yeah especially at the end well he trips and falls he spills his wine there's nothing goes well for him on vajun hands are he's not having shaking. a great time yeah yeah uh speaking of vajun i'm sure you remember this but you see vajun in dark empire uh, and then you revisit it in Jedi Academy, and the big thing is there's that big Vader statue. Yeah. Um, by Jedi Academy, it's been toppled, which I thought was the, I thought that was the coolest connection last time I played through Jedi Academy, because uh, I never yeah. really made that connection before. Or Bast Castle. Yeah, a different castle than the one they're in in this, for some reason. But I don't know. Well, it's not Chateau. Mal- Why castle? would Vader have go on Mal- in Chateau Malreux? Why not? Dooku liked it. Maybe yeah, it's like Dooku's not oh. gonna, or yeah, Vader's not gonna take Dooku's sloppy second manner. The ultimate, uh, like, what the fuck are you doing? Moment has to be when um, Anakin throws that fucking hand grenade into the caverns for no yeah. reason. Well, we needed something for Scout and Weed to. <laughs> yeah, so to there's escape. these. They so they they go to Vajun for the dark rendezvous. Uh, they're going through these caverns, and then later, uh, Mace tells Anakin Obi Wan to go, so they show up later, and they're just these fucking caves, and 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 Anakin just fucking tosses a, a thermal detonator at it, and it almost kills everybody except yeah. for Yoda. <laughs> and and Obi Wan's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, that might have been a bad idea, Master. Yeah. Well, they they get their ship stolen by Asajj Ventress again, so that's two for them, one for her. That happens repeatedly in multimedia yeah. stuff. Yeah, I don't. Asajj is an interesting character. I never. I can, I gotta say, like, I feel like her lore, especially like what happens outside the Clone Wars, yeah, has just never been handled very well. Yeah, that was I, always a mess, even before the reset. Yeah, where like she's clearly meant to be a Darth Maul like figure, um, and she's flashy and she's interesting, but like, I I don't think her arc is handled cohesively enough for it to mean anything. Like there were parts about her in this book that I thought were interesting. She doesn't like killing um, when she doesn't have to, like especially except for Jedi. She likes killing Jedi, but innocence, like she doesn't kill needlessly which kind of contradicts some of the other media she's in where she's more than happy to slaughter anybody. Yeah. Um, Remember the uh, Dooku's like America's next top apprentice challenge when they're all in the cave. Mm -hmm. He's getting them all to fight to see who would actually be his protege. Mm -hmm. And that's how Asajj wins her spot. Yeah, that was sick. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? It's kind of funny. Because I felt like the last book that she was in, um, Brotherhood. Brotherhood, I felt like she wasn't handled super well there either. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I like Asajj. I think peaked with the Yavin battle and kind of been downhill since there. <laughs> yeah, like every, she's just there's so many things that she appears in where she's just there to be the 
the brutal murder kill bot. So then when a book tries to handle her with more depth, it's never the same depth in any appearance. Like there's a there's a vague sense of like I hate the Jedi as the the unifying factor there. But I actually liked Brotherhood Ventress more okay. than a lot of other appearances. Probably more than this as well. I've never read Dark Acolyte. Or is, mm-hmm. is it just Acolyte? I think it's just I can't remember. I had whichever, the, yeah, whichever. All these books, books look the exact same. All the Clone Wars multimedia project books look the exact same. It's like, which characters are in it? Cut them out from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you're not a fan of the uh, Essential Legends collection covers, generally, are you? Um, I haven't read this one. Uh, I mean, sorry, I haven't uh, looked at this one. It's just Yoda, right? Yeah, it's Yoda with some Force lightning behind him, and it's like little let me see um i guess i was disappointed because uh this one didn't get an audiobook that's probably the reason why i yeah actually don't mind this one uh the the essential legends collection for this one i probably like it more than the original version although those have some kind of charm to them i guess but yeah i was really disappointed because part of the reason i suggested this one was so i could listen to the audiobook but nope well, you had to read. Yeah. But yeah, so the, the cover for this one, it's the Attack of the Clones pictures with Coruscant in the background. And the Coruscant picture, it kind of reminds me of NJO, like the burning mm-hmm. Coruscant. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah, it's just yeah. like <laughs> the covers aren't great um, for these, but they were kind of pumping these books out in 2000. Yeah. Like the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. There were some moments I liked in this book, though. Um, I, and I didn't dislike it either. Like the moment at the end where they're all in the, the ship together was nice. I did yeah. like the final confrontation between uh, Yoda and, and Dooku. The, the parts kind of that I probably disliked the most were the middle section on the space station. Just like it's kind of just action for action's sake, which mm-hmm. I find in Star Wars books is often not done super well. Um, I like the killing of the Jedi Masters. I thought was good. I wasn't, you know, I, I thought that was a kind of a, a good twist. But yeah, yeah. Like the one of the things that I was thinking the whole time they were on the public transit and then in the uh, in the station was like that was like a transit hub, right? Because I thought yeah. they were in another ship for a while. Yeah, I think that was that was the Findar station. I think, mm-hmm. uh, but the. Uh, it it just seemed like so many opportunities for them to think like, oh, we're putting a lot of people in danger here. But yeah. uh, I I did like how many references they they tried to include to different things. Some of them don't really pan out with other information that we got, uh, like how Honiger was like a big name event, uh, and it was like it yeah. came up a lot in this of like Grievous testing the chemical weapons and Honiger was like a a big moment for that. And I tend to yeah. prefer the presentation of Honiger as like, yep, it was kind too. of just this out of the way world that got supremely fucked over by the factions in the clone wars, rather than being a central thing. And I think that's kind of the point of it is like, no one actually gave a fuck about Honiger. And that was just what the galaxy was doing to itself at the time. Yeah. I also, I, I had that in my notes too. I also don't like it being a grievous thing. I would prefer it being because in 
the original Thrawn trilogy, it's described, as far as I remember, as just kind of the results of a battle. I think yeah. a ship crashes, right? Yeah, it was like and a Luke Hulk that just... Yeah, so I like that better, where, like, even make it a Republic ship, where it's like, yeah, the Republic's got the best intentions here, but, you know... No, it might have been... It might have been I, none of these ships existed at the time, so I don't know why I'm giving specific classes, but the... I think the EAW map has acclimator bits. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. So it's like, why not? I, I like that better, where it's like, yeah, look at all the unintended consequences the war's having. Yeah. And Sidious took advantage of this, um, or Vader, rather. I can't remember if it was Vader or Sidious who did it, but Vader. But uh, but yeah, I, w- I would much prefer that. Um, but it it, w- it was interesting that mentioned there were some weird ones like the Dooku clone thing that's from the Game yeah. Boy Advance game, which I completely forgot about. I had that one back in the day. It was really difficult. Um, it's funny though because in the game, I don't think you actually like kill him. I think you just defeat him. As definitely, he's definitely not a clone in it. So why not just fucking not mention the GBA game? But I guess I don't think they call him a clone in here. I think they just call him a doppelganger. No, they call him a clone. Did they? Yeah. See if I can find the uh see if I can find the quote, but uh Yeah, I'm almost certain they call him a clone. Yeah, poor foolish the same Anakin Skywalker who he had learned and recently killed a clone of Count Dooku oh, on Sereno. Okay. I mean maybe they could mean a Yeah. They say clone. A though, colloquial so. one. I mean, there were originally there were you... supposed to be a bunch of clones of like a bunch of people running around at this point, not just Django. Yeah. Which problematic. What did you think? So another big thing that was touched on, I, I kind of wish they would have focused more on this, um, was the metachlory manipulation on Dejune. Yeah, like that... If only Plagueis had known, like he was here for decades trying to put together this whole plan. Meanwhile, the June is doing it to everyone all the time and just giving people force powers. That seems a little bit I get like it doesn't work out for them. So there's that. But it seems like it shouldn't be possible rather than just being a bad idea. Yeah. Or at least shouldn't be that easy, especially considering what we know about what Plagueis was doing. But Mm -hmm. And, like, wouldn't that register with the Jedi a little bit more? Like, was we the first one to... Because we know it's only a recent discovery by the Republic that Vajun exists. But, like, you'd think more of it would come to the attention of the Jedi, especially after taking we. Yeah. Like, they know. not very <laughs> epic. Yeah. Yeah. But well, that's how it is. That's, you know, they love throwing force weapons, force things... We talked uh, last episode about the um, the Reaper, where it's just like the thing that just fucking rips the force out of you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of it's kind of the era of that. Yeah. I I did think it was a little weird when like they were setting up the romantic undertones of we and Scout's relationship, uh, but then have like half the book where they're referring to each other as brother and sister. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was a bit odd. I mean, it's very Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know that there's too much more I want to say about the book. Uh, any Anything else you want to talk about? Anything with Wii or Scout or Mace Windu? Being Not really. Um, no, I think Mace Windu is pretty as he usually is. 
I thought Yoda had some fun sequences. Uh, I think certain points they captured uh, the Yoda kind of very well. Yeah. Um, other they times got he was wacky fun Yoda very well. Yeah, I agree. Other times, like in regular dialogue, I thought it was a big miss. But mm-hmm. the wacky stuff, especially like when he was eating, I thought was good. Um, yeah, he didn't yeah. really have the the speech patterns down very well. There were a lot of misses in the like actual yeah. speech patterns. Yes, but and I do still think I, I I do still think that the prequels got Yoda wrong. Like I think the prequels got Yoda wrong a lot of the time. Um, where maybe this is more like prequel tie-in media. He's not that silly in the original trilogy. He's only really silly when he's pretending to be an idiot like, to fuck with Luke. Right. So I don't like how Yoda has become like kind of a mix or a toned down version of that. Cause Yoda's very wise and very serious throughout. Like I'm trying to think of silly Yoda moments after, um, after, after, you know, the big reveal. And I can't think of a whole lot. I can't well, even to think be of fair. One. He's like, after the wacky, after the reveal, he's basically got one or two scenes of Luke, training montaging then he's dead and no one's that silly on their deathbed he's also telling luke not to run away and like clearly he has it in him to be like that if that's what he's showing luke like Mm -hmm. i think he's legitimately enjoying himself on himself on part of that even though part of that may be that he hasn't seen anyone in so long yeah it's just like there are moments where like i i think if if the prequel trilogy had been handling like the moment where Luke is trying to trying to levitate R2 and Yoda or where he's trying to pull the X we go. I just I think they would have gotten it wrong. Yeah. And I mean I, I say they, but you know, it was George Lucas who did, you know, it was his decision. It's his character. Uh but, but yeah. I would have liked to see and I I think Yoda, you know, there's something like the whole thing is He's so silly looking. He's he's a fucking little frog muppet, but he's so wise. But anyway, it is uh, it is kind of funny that like Mace is in the second book in a row where we've seen him, where his only appearance is like a, a call in a ship with mm-hmm. Anakin. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. Back up, back up, Mace. Yeah. Uh, what is your rating going to be for Yoda Dark Rendezvous? A B. Let me give it a B. You're giving it a B. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's a B uh, for me. Yoda. Oh, I need to leave a space. I don't know which episode this is. 127? Why not? Sure. I will fill that in. So you're giving it a B, which is a three, I think. Uh, What am I going to give it? Oh, no. Four. See, I... This is another one of the ones where we've been talking about it, and I thought from how we've been talking about it that I enjoyed it more than you, but I'm kind of angling towards a C. Okay. I might... It's, it's been so thing. long since we've... Uh, Diverged? Well, since we've talked about books that like my, my scaling might be a little bit off here, but uh, yeah, I, I guess think if, I'm I guess giving if... it a C. 
You know what? I I actually agree. I was thinking B was average, but C is average, isn't it? Yeah. C is meant to. Yeah. So I'll do a C as well. All right. So yeah, I like. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good book. There was just enough wrong with it that it's like kept yep. it from being on the level of some of the other higher ranked ones. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I'm mostly I'm also disappointed because I really had it hyped up. So. Yeah, because like four, we have like Shatterpoint at at B. We have Star by Star at B. Uh, Shadow of the Sith, we put at B. Brotherhood, we put at B. If that helps you, Vector Prime's a B. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with C. All right. Well, uh, that that is Yoda Dark Rendezvous. Uh, before we get into a couple emails that we had, do you want to? Is there anything you want to touch on from the Mandalorian trailer? Um, just trying to think. Uh, yeah, there's one thing. Um, I think people are wrong about. Uh, I tweeted this, so if you follow me on Twitter, I'm so sorry. I think people are wrong about how The Mandalorian is going to tie into the sequel trilogy. I think people are reading the quote from The Mandalorian trailer where... He, where um, What's his name again? Is it Teva? Carson Teva, that's his name, right? Um, where where he's saying there's a great evil out there, or like there's a big threat out there. They're taking that to be... Um, they're taking that to be the first order. A lot of people are in, in Snoke, and I think that's not the case. I think it's pretty clearly referring to Ron. Yeah, I like, and this is to me goes back to even season two, where I don't know if I don't can't remember if we disagreed on, on, on this or not. But you know, one of the big things in season two is the floating guy in the vat. A lot of people are saying that Snoke, uh, and that this is Gideon trying to do experiments into you know what will eventually lead to. Palpatine being resurrected, and for me, that's a misread of the character. I think Gideon is very uh, ego-driven. He's very power-hungry. I think my theory has always been he's trying to give himself force powers. You know, he collects things like the dark saber. Um, so I think that the tie-ins to the the sequel trilogy are going to be less than people expected, at least for now. So that's kind of my thought on the trailer. I like. I don't know that. I guess there were people saying that. Like, I I agree with you that it's not like directly. This is, this is Snoke. This is talking about the First Order. I think it's a more immediate thing with Thrawn. I think it's definitely possible there could be some connection between the, the two, even if it's not like a direct one to one link. Uh, and like, I do think that whatever's going on with Pershing has some relation to what Palpatine is doing, in his return. Mm -hmm. Even though I I do think like Gideon's direct plan is to use it for his own gain. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think like when you consider the flip side of it being the idea that uh, the purpose of the Mandalorian is to soft reset the sequels, I think that's more wrong of a take. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the one thing that really stood out to me was whether we're getting a potential return of Hayden Christensen with the scene mm -hmm. where they're like, there's the four Jedi in front of the door, the cutting is happening and uh, like it, it's in the Jedi temple for sure. So it's either a flashback to something about order 66 with Grogu, which is what I think it probably is, or it's like stealing the dark saber. 
which I think is probably less likely because they they have seemed on shows and in games and stuff to be pretty consistent actually with the High Republic garb, like Jedi robes being different earlier. Uh, yeah, was- no, I, I I think they're the same actors from the Book of Boba Fett. Because remember, there's the flashback scene. Mm-hmm. So so I think it's I'm I'm pretty sure you can tell because you can see that shot from Grogu right with the yeah. Jedi. I think they're the same Jedi. So yeah, like it's definitely all filmed at the same time as like the Kenobi stuff too. Oh yeah, but, totally. Like it all looks the exact looks same. But, which took me out because the Mandalorian I think generally looks. A, I don't yeah. think it's controversial to say it looks a lot better than. Uh, you know, but I also understand not resetting everything, making a new set for oh totally yeah like, two flashback scenes. Totally. But, like I feel like Hayden was out on the balcony doing with Ewan, put on a different wig, and then cut down a door. That was probably his his filming day. But yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, that's all I that's all I had for the Mandalorian. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think of anything else. Uh, Short trailer. I think they're really confident in the show mm-hmm. based on uh, how little they're showing us. Um, and and yeah, I don't suspect we'll get screeners for this one either. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, too bad, but we'll we'll just have to live with it. Yep. One of the things with Bad Batch that has been hard for me is like, I want to watch it as we're going so I can like the videos or reviews or whatever I speculation I have isn't mm-hmm. me like holding back every week on the podcast and be like, Oh, well I know what's happening. Yeah. And I think there has been one more episode that I've watched after faster. So after that, I should be not mm. in a bad position with everyone, but uh, I, I am going to be sad about. Yeah. I kind of not having the data prepare. Yeah. We talked about this before. I, I kind of just chose not to, because I was like, I'm not going to have time to watch all of them, so I don't want to go half in because I'm not going to be able to do any sort of review. So, yeah, I just I was hoping to, especially with clips, like write a bunch of them beforehand. Yeah, like watch an episode, write a bunch, watch an episode. But I ultimately didn't have time to do any of that. That ends up taking a lot of time. (laughs) But uh, especially when you can't edit it. Like, I wish they. Yeah, because for those who don't know, they send you a watermarked video, so it's not like you can just rip it and edit it. I mean, you could, I guess, but yeah, they're not going to care after it's out, but it'll say like Corey loses in big. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants that. But anywho, uh, we did get a couple emails. Uh, we did get an email from Garrett who says, I'm so oh, unawesomely- before we do that, so- oh, actually, never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Go ahead. Garrett is unawesomely mad at us because we haven't read the audible review. It's not my fault, Garrett. I don't have an audible account. Because uh, they don't sponsor the show, so I can't read really it. It's all just, I guess you don't you know. do. Yeah, I guess. You, okay. Um, uh, Justin, do you want to so rectify that? Explain the. Um, yeah, I'm gonna look into it now. So I'll explain the difficulty with that. Um, part of the issue is that there's no like big repository for podcasts uh, reviews. There are some sites that attempt to scrape it, but uh, for me, I'm guessing because I'm in a different jurisdiction. Uh, it shows up as zero reviews for me, which yeah. guys, what the fuck? Um, so I'm gonna see if I can find it on Google, but 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 yeah. So like when I when I look at um, he sent the link, at, but for me that link tells me uh, <laughs> I'm sure you want to go to Audible's Canadian site, loser. And yeah. I don't have an account, so I don't want to log in. Yeah, or I can't log in. But if they sponsor uh, the show, then maybe. 
Okay, so I do have some reviews here that, I, that I'll take a second to read. But I just want to say, too, we also... I put out the, the feeler last time for Star Wars EU references in yeah. pop culture. We actually got a few really good answers. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so we've got a few reviews. Um, and I'm going to get to them because it's been a while. Uh, Isabel says, I absolutely love Tapcaf. I'm the only dar- diehard Star Wars fan I know. None of my friends or family are into it. Uh, so it's nice that I can turn on Tapcaf while working and driving and listen to my two favorite YouTubers roast each other. Uh, then roast Luke and Leia. Uh, sorry, Incel Luke and Thirsty Cornhorn and Terrible Mother Leia all in one episode. 10 out of 10. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Gregory says, from Romance, poor comic time, and they have it all. Talk about Space Wizard things, too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Andrew said, since there's only one Star Wars podcast out there, it's good. Uh, it's so entertaining. I think I might have read that one before. Uh, it talks about how we get off track a lot, which we do. Um, oh gosh, this one's from Eric. <laughs> he says, A wonderful podcast that is often tangentially related to Star Wars. Justin, the Taco Bell beefy five layer burrito of the podcast, and his best friend in the whole world, co host Corey, the three mild sauce packets dribbled upon Mr. Beefy Five Layer, are excellent podcast hosts. The dynamic duo do a great job of getting me all juiced up and turgid with their insightful commentary on all things Star Wars and their cute little flirty back and forth. The sweet nothings they whisper into my ears transport me into the Star Wars universe in a way no other podcast could hope to achieve. I have but to close my eyes and suddenly I am winter. I am on Coruscant. (laughs) Held, held, I really like this. He really sets the scene here. Uh, Held in the tight, well, sorry, held in the tight embrace by the love of my life. His piscine musk, which I really love, it brings me to pool as a going to the pool as a young man. His piscine musk washing over me as he caresses my hair with his large orange mitts. I feel a raw animal anticipation as he scoops me up in his wet arms and pulls me up close into his jowls. In moments, we will be joined together as one flesh in ecstasy. In other words, this podcast is less about the raw content, more about how it makes you feel and where you are transported upon listening to it. Great work, Justin and Corey. Keep it up. I really need this. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. That was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Like everyone needs to cool down for a second after that. Yeah. I can't uh, we, stand up. Don't make me stand up. We did get an email from John. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. You want to? I just want to get to all of this. Okay. Yeah. I was going to alternate with you. That's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Well, this is this is a kind of reviewee email uh, where John okay. figured out the uh, email address for the podcast and uh, wanted to show us his watch time or listen time on Spotify of the podcast with fifty eight hundred and fifty seven minutes of pot of tap calf listened to wow. last year. I don't even think we put out that many total minutes. I guess the I guess we did last year, but uh, but yeah. So thank you very much, John. Uh, we appreciate you subjecting yourself to whatever the hell this is for fifty eight hundred minutes. Yeah, that's that's a lot of minutes. Uh, so to alternate, we've got Kalen who says, "Love these guys." Just found out uh, on Audible. I was listening on YouTube before I got the subscription. Love your show. It's actually the reason I got into Audible. Uh, so I can listen to the books you covered. Nice. That's the best way to do it, in my opinion. Uh, so thank you. We've got two more, but we can alternate. Uh, I was done until we're done with the reviews. Okay. That was the only review we want to had. So I shouldn't have said alternate. I I had no plans to alternate. I just wanted to read that one. Only two left, anyway. And all these all also have been completely five stars. So thank you. Because you can do five stars for overall performance and story. Uh so Brian says, I thoroughly enjoy their insights and analysis. Well-reasoned, diverse, and entertaining. I appreciate the discussions where they disagree. Uh, my my only substantive complaint is the restrained number of red-green references. Oh, interesting. More is better. Hmm. I very that. recently watched the clip of uh, 
the I don't think it was Handyman's Corner, but the one where he cut up a pool and then turned his car That's, into I a was, tank. I just watched that the other day too. Oh, classic clip. Classic. He runs the exhaust into it. Yeah, and make a hot tub. Yeah, fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that show really makes me want to move to like uh, Upper Canadian uh, Lake Country and just have a little. Not not even they're like, they're more in like swamp country. <laughs> he lives um, in I think he lives in Hamilton along the uh along the the lake bank somewhere. So anytime okay. I'm driving through, even though I know it makes no goddamn sense, I'll like look at the shore and see if I can find his house or something. <laughs> but anyway, continue yeah. with the with the reviews. Is that is that the QEW that runs that? I don't drive. I don't know what things are. Uh, okay. Um, okay, the last one is from Shin, who says, This is an experience like a psychedelic trip of Star Wars science fiction clad low fantasy fun. The boat is flowing down the river of time and sentimentally, and sorry, and sentimentality. That boat being Corey, Data, Padsworth III, and Justin Eckhard of the latter. They are the Lennon McCartney of the Star Wars EU podcast, which is which? You decide. The river is that of Darth Bane's tears, weeping and willing like a whip rule. will? I don't know what that word is. I think the, I don't know if he meant whirlpool or if that's. I don't know. It's like a never bird. heard of a whippoorwill before. No, is it a bird? I've I haven't either. <laughs> okay. There is so much introspection to be had here. It is a learning process of sorts, a journey into the northern lands of what they call Canada. I have yet to learn how to pronounce it. Sometimes it's pronounced how it's written. Sometimes it's hook key. My studies of this podcast have led to many different empirical discoveries and rationalist existential ponderings, such as the epistemology of Winter and Akbar. Can a fish bang a flesh-clad maiden? It's not a question of pragmatism. It is a question of what is possible and how far we could scar into the, soar into the sky. Star Wars once happened, yes? Therefore, Winter and Akbar did some naughty-naughty sibylline subterfuge of the private region. Some real writers uh, leaving reviews. Overall, this podcast has enlightened me. I have achieved the outer path. Sazmer, uh Samsara? Uh, I, that's a... I don't know that word. Uh, continues on and on, just as Tapcaf Transmissions blows in the gale of time, akin to Bob Dylan's classic Blowing in the Wind. All good things must come to an end. However, I will keep Tapcaf going on for all of reality and beyond. The clones are in making. Corey and Justin will sardonically sigh after straightening to their full two-meter height and peeling their thin lips back in a tightly wound grimace about having to review <laughs> the Dark Nest trilogy. <laughs> it's okay, guys. I like bugs. Um, all right next time on tap calf transmission 7777th episode we'll be covering the obscure legends property trailer park boys dragon ball themed title card theme plays p.s my sister said you guys look like dilfs i'm the only dad here take that as you will norm mcdonald Joni mitchell awesomely chiltastic in the eu mythos of temporal dreamscapes of sentimental nostalgia eckford and Corison. wow what a review yeah that was that was a lot too uh that was pretty incredible that's pretty incredible. Him and Eric need to get together, I guess. Yeah, seriously, they could write sonnets, I think. All right, we have one serious email question to get to, then we will... It's not serious, it's still about Star Wars, but uh, one question, we did 9/11. Yeah. and then we've got... Uh, then we've got some of the references that uh, you guys have come through with. So the mm. question... I am not going to be very well equipped to answer this question, as I have not actually read any Docker. of the books in question. But what the fuck's that mean? I don't know. 
All right. Well, Christopher asks, with how Claudia Gray has had a track record of producing some of the best canon books, being the author with the most canon books written, and her stories often focusing on pivotal plot lines or main characters of the saga, would you consider her to be the Timothy Zahn of canon Star Wars or not? Sincerely, Christopher. No, I wouldn't consider her to be a Timothy Zahn um, for a couple of reasons. I think her books aren't very memorable. So... Claudia Gray's Star Wars books. Um, she did Lost Stars. She did Bloodline. I'm trying to think. I'm just going to try to get a. She did okay. Lost Stars, my favorite. Bloodline, uh, Princess of Alderaan, Master and Apprentice. Did we read that one? No, I don't think no. we've done a single Claudia Gray book yet. Uh, Into the Dark, uh, which we did, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we did that. And Fallen Star. Um, so I guess you could argue maybe she's the Timothy Zahn of the High Republic, but. For me, what Claudia Gray really nails is the characters, uh, like Leia and Bloodline. Um, uh, what other uh, Sienna and Thane in in Lost Stars? I think the plots of those books are ultimately pretty forgettable. Whereas Timothy Zahn is kind of a master of you know the universe, the world building, uh, and I don't feel like Claudia Gray really does the same for me. And I don't think she's put together you know that one big trilogy yet either which I think is important if you're going to have the Zahn comparison. So for me, no. All right. Well, there you go. Maybe I'll have some more thoughts after, uh, after lost stars, but we'll get I there. Mean, lost someday. stars is phenomenal, but it's, it's, it's just good in a different way. All right. Well, do you want to take a look at these? Uh, yeah. these references before we call it for the day? Definitely. So we put out the question last time. Um, do you know of any Star Wars EU references in popular media? I mentioned, I believe, the 40-Year-Old Virgin has one. Yeah. Uh, and I assumed that the Big Bang Theory uh, has one. So I thought it would gotta... be too normy. We did get an email about Big Bang Theory references. Yep, so the first one uh, I saw was from Zach. And this is, I think, he he mentions another kind of area where I think there's probably a bunch of untapped ones. Uh, he mentions Gray's Anatomy, which has one. And, and he actually was nice enough to excise the whole quote, which I'll get to in a second. But I do think if you look at, like, the long-running, um, like, dramas, like Gray's Anatomy, uh, like CSI, like, there's definitely been a Star Wars EU reference in CSI because... You know, there'll be a killer who's a nerd or a victim who's a nerd, and there'll be a post turn as well. Dana but, has uh, mentioned that uh, there's been a few Star Wars references in General Hospital, which she watches regularly. I think because mm -hmm. it all falls under the Disney umbrella now, too. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if there's any Legends or EU stuff. I think it, I'm not sure if it's just movies or what, but. Well, I'm assuming as well that like a lot of the props, like if they get like a. Say they get like a. They they have a, a kid's bedroom and they want to show that he's like into video games, you know. And there's a chance they get a, like a, a Shadows of the Empire thing, and then that yeah. prop is just kind of in the inventory forever. So this is a quote by Doctor Bailey uh, in Grey's Anatomy. Uh, and again, thanks Zach for this. He says Hansel or Doctor Bailey says Hansel is not a loser. Hansel gets encased in carbonite, and that's that was a big mess. But he's not. That's not what he's remembered for. He's remembered as the guy who made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs, who survived the sub-zero temperatures of the ice planet Hoth in order to save someone he cared about from the big, ugly Wampa. 
He's remembered as the guy who swooped down at the last minute, blasted Darth Vader out of the sky so that Luke could use the Force and destroy the damn Death Star, okay? Princess Leia saved him from Carbonite and fell in love, and they saved the universe and had twin Jedi babies that went on to save the universe again. So, uh, Jaina and Jedi, uh, Jaina and Jason reference, and uh, that was more interesting than I was expecting anyone to find. Yeah, I, I didn't expect the, the twin reference, though they lose points for leaving out Anakin. <laughs> yes. No, I don't make the rules. I just have to enforce them. Is voyage. Is voyage. Um, Daniel sent us one. I actually hadn't seen this one, so I'm going to be reading it as we go. Uh, a Legends reference he found in a Nickelodeon cartoon. Um, it's fairly odd parents. And there's a parody villain who goes by the name of Dark Laser, who commands his own evil space empire. And if you look, his uh, his kind of minions are three people clearly in Imperial officers' uniforms, and one of them is blue with uh, with red eyes. So probably not a coincidence, I would guess. Ron is uh, canon to the Fairly Odd Parents. Yep. And then there was one more, I believe. Yes, from Harry, who had some uh, some Big Bang Theory pictures. So we have. Oh, yes. Force Unleashed Shock T statue on a table with Asajj Ventress head bust in the comic book store. Uh, there's also, I think that's Barris's head. The, the yeah, bust so in front of it. The Darth Talon statue, I'm pretty sure that's what I saw in uh, in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Because when yeah. I saw that, I was like, yeah. Now, there's a lot in that room. There's a Mirror's Edge poster, which I, I love that game. So, uh, so yeah. Very, thank you. I want to keep this open. If you guys know of any more, because there's got to be, there's got to be others as well. Um, let us know, because it's I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I'm gonna do some searching myself as well. I'll, I'm gonna pop open Forty Year Old Virgin and see if I can, if I was just imagining it, or if I can find the Star Wars reference in there. All right. Well, that I think is gonna do it for this week. Any outstanding emails from the episode, we'll get to. Next week, when we get back to the Bad Batch episodes, uh, I guess we'll do three, four, and five together at that point, focusing on five and probably a bit of three. But no, we, we talked have, about we, three last time. Well, yeah, we'll yeah, only so have never mind. Yeah, we'll only have four and five. Only four and five. And since there's, I don't think either of us is going to have a ton to say about faster. Nothing against the episode, just not a lot for us to discuss. Uh, yeah. So it'll be mostly focused one. on five. So it's a good. It's going to be a good episode to get some emails in. If you have any questions, uh, any comments, any thoughts, any reviews. Other than that, always remember, Justin. What should they always remember? Rate us five star on whatever podcast platform you listen, or there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a fucking problem. All right. Way she goes. I'm going to be live on twitch.tv slash Corey loses in about five minutes doing some Empire at War modding stuff. Tonight is not going to be a drinking stream. Eck, uh, Eck told me he doesn't want to hang out with me outside of the show anymore. So it's mm-hmm. it's going to be, we have to work. It's only, out. it's only personal, nothing business related. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm happy he was, he was honest with me about that. Yep. 